If you have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to go to John chapter 1. We start a new series here as we begin Advent, and this series is The Light of the World. And so a very uh, important aspect, I, I just felt led to spend time on this concept of light, this person of light. And so we'll be doing that throughout Advent. Of course, I think you can tell that it's the Advent season. And so I, I, you know, based on what's going on behind me, it's a little different than normal. Uh, I don't know about you, but I love the decorations, right? So can we just say thank you to those that decorated and made the sanctuary just extra special this month? Say thank you to Brian and Bonnie, Gertis and Beth and Joe Butcher. And Brady, and uh, that'd be my wife. And then um, Ben Butcher was here for a bit, along with Carl DeWall. So thank you guys for helping out last week. There might be some others that that helped here and there, um, like me or Judah, but um, we were just muscle um, at that point, you know. So, all right. I want to start here in John chapter 1 for the very first part of this Light of the World series with a message entitled, In the Beginning. And so it's important to understand that this child, Jesus, that has come into the world, has always existed. Doesn't that just blow your mind? It's interesting, in the gospel accounts, Matthew records a genealogy of Jesus' line that goes all the way back to this Old Testament guy named Abraham. And Luke, he goes all the way back to this Old Testament guy named Adam. He says, and Adam is a son of God. John just kind of skips the whole genealogy thing. And he's like, oh, by the way, Jesus, he's always existed. And we're going to walk through that here today. But there is something about that that just is... It's unfathomable to a a certain degree. If you can wrap your mind around an eternal God, raise your hand. One, two, okay. Well, good for you. I think for me, I have the questions, eternity, how long is that? And I think even that is a question that's a little bit wrong because it's not by a sense of time. God is outside of time. Even that just blows my mind. And, and instead of focusing in on this genealogy here in the earth, John backs way up and gives us this big screen look of Jesus' birth. And if you have this devotional next to you, I just want to read this first little portion here that this Jonathan Griffith writes. It's called The Big Screen. And he says, I was shopping on Black Friday which was probably a mistake. As I jostled with the crowds in search of a bargain, my eyes were drawn to the TV section at the back of the store. Anyone a victim of that? I'll carry on. And what I noticed was that nearly all the TVs on sale, they were giant in size. Anything under 60 inches is hardly worth having. These days, so it seems. I don't know what type of screen you most like to watch a movie on. Certainly, the size of the screen impacts your experience. There is a convenience to watching something on your phone, 
Something or sometimes a new 60-inch TV in your living room is great. Of course, thousands enjoy the big screen experience of the movies. And then there's the really big screen, the IMAX dome, if you're looking for the full immersive experience. Sometimes it's wonderful to look at the Christmas story on the small screen and see the more intimate moments, like Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem, the baby in the manger, the shepherds in the field. But there is also value in approaching this story through a wider lens. One of the accounts of Jesus' life in the Bible is written by his disciple, John. He chose the largest screen imaginable to tell the story of Jesus' birth. John gives us the cosmic perspective as if on the ultimate IMAX screen. The scene opens before the universe even existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John does not begin his Christmas story with the angel's visit to Mary, or the star over Bethlehem, or the manger in the stable. No, he starts at the very beginning, further back in time than we can imagine, before the world even existed, let alone stables and mangers. Jesus was there. John wants to show us that Jesus is more than an influential teacher or a wise guide. He's more than a good man or an example for others. Jesus is unique in all of the universe. There is no one like him. That sets the stage for where we're going today. Before we read from the scriptures, the scriptures are God's word, and I believe God speaks to us through his word. We'll touch on that a little bit today. And uh, before we begin, though, let's take a moment to pray, settle our hearts to get ready to receive the word. Father, I thank you for this time together as we desire to hear from heaven Lord, you've given us your word through Christ and the scriptures, and so I pray right now that you would speak profoundly through these things. And Lord, I'm asking that you would use me to proclaim the word of God. Lord, I'm asking for an anointing upon this time. We also ask for your blessing on the children's ministry, Lord. We lift all of these things to you in Christ's name, amen. Amen. All right, we're going to walk through John 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell us about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And that's where we're going to stop with the passage here today. I want to start here looking at verses 1 and 2 and recognize that God is eternal and that Jesus is a part of that. He is a part of the eternal Godhead. It's Father, Son, Son being Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And those three persons make up the one triune God. We call it the Trinity, right? And He's eternal. So in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, so there Jesus is existing with the Godhead, the Father and the Holy Spirit, and He is God. Jesus is God. And I want to just read this again using the word Jesus in place of the Word. In the beginning, God created, excuse me, in the beginning, the Word, or Jesus, already existed. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. That's another way you could look at that. And he existed in the beginning with God. This sounds a lot like the passage I just read. If if you notice, I went ahead a little bit on my notes. What do you think that sounds like? I'm hearing little whispers. It sounds like the Bible. (laughs) It's Genesis. Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We're going all the way back here in the photo album. Jesus was there in the beginning. Now, this does not mean that God the Father said, I'm just going to create Jesus. No, that's not at all what John's saying. John's saying Jesus is eternal. He's always existed. In fact, he was there at the beginning at creation. So we know that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and it continues on. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And here's one aspect of the Trinity. The Bible says the Spirit of God was hovering over. Over the water. So we know the Spirit was there in the beginning. And then in verse 3, and God said, now if you notice, God starts speaking things into existence by His Word. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. Psalm 33, 6, by the Word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth, all their hosts. This blows our mind. I mean, Jesus is involved in this as God is speaking these things into existence. And in verse 26 of Genesis 1, it says, Then God said, okay, again, speaking. He says, Let us make man in our image or our likeness. If if it's just the Father, then you'd, you'd see something like, I will make Mankind in my image. But there's the Spirit and there's Jesus. Let us make man in our image. 
The Godhead is eternal. And let's go a little bit deeper of Jesus being at creation. You see this here in John 1, verses 3, and part of verse 4. It says, God created everything through Jesus, and nothing was created except through Jesus. And Jesus gave life to everything that was created. That's pretty straightforward right there. John is saying that Jesus was a part of it all at creation. Hebrews even speaks of this in Hebrews 1. It says, In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. God made the universe through Jesus. Are we catching what John is throwing at us in this passage. Pastor Daniel opened up with Colossians 1. This is an excellent passage where we see Jesus in creation. Verse 15 in Colossians 1, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he is supreme over all creation. For through Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Jesus and for Jesus, and Jesus existed before anything else, and Jesus holds all creation together. That is how John is setting up the Advent story. Jesus is eternal, he is God, and he is with us. Jesus is our creator. Which just also blows my mind. You think of all the people that held him. You know, Mary, Joseph, friends of them. I mean, any of them that showed up there, uh, whether it's one of the Magi, where they're like, would you like to hold him? I mean, that's kind of how it goes, right, when there's a new one. Would you like to hold him? They're holding their creator. Yeah. This blows our mind. This isn't some little babe This is God. He has always existed. Go on into verse 4 a little more and also 5. We see darkness coming to light. Just by the presence of Jesus and his power. Through his life, he brought light to everyone. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Jesus has come, and I'll tell you right now, because of his advent, things will never be the same. Darkness can never extinguish God. And I'll tell you right now, it's not that darkness all of a sudden couldn't extinguish him because he came. It's just always been that way. And as the gospel message goes forth, those who are walking in darkness can see the light. And there was this man who was testifying about the light. And he's like, I'm not the light, but there's one who's coming who is the light. And we see John the Baptist witnessing or testifying. And as I sat on verses 6 through 9, I'm thinking this Christmas season, 
can I get a witness? Oh my goodness, we have this message of light. Think of all the people that we know that are walking around in darkness. And we've experienced the encounter with the eternal God. And we'll talk about all this other junk besides Jesus. Can I get a witness? Is there anyone willing to testify about the true light who gives light to everyone? He has come into the world. You have a message. We all have a message to proclaim. So let's do that. Then I want to look at verses 10 through 11. When I sat on this section, I had this thought, this illustration come to mind, but let's read the verses here first. He came into the very world that he created, but the world didn't recognize him. In fact, it says he came to his own people, and even they rejected him. And so this little section here, I'm thinking, creator rejected. And as I sat on that and just tried to picture, what would it be like to go into a world that you created and these people that you created are rejecting you? What would that be like? I just These kinds of thoughts come at me when I'm reading scripture. I don't know if they come to you as well, but I mean, it's just, it, it fills you with awe and wonder of the gospel story And what I thought of with this particular section, I don't know if any of you had this fascination as a kid or even as an adult, but I could walk into a display of like uh, the little Christmas villages, okay, and just be totally fascinated by this. And you just wonder like all this stuff, that maybe that family, you know, they're having Christmas and then afterwards, oh look, they're caroling over here and and there's some ice skating going on over here. And and, and this just is so neat to see that. Somebody put that display together. Someone created that. And they set this up and you just, you watch this all go down. And I think too, I am also fascinated with like the train setups, Okay. And like all the, the things that are going on and the people who are doing things and, and all of that. And you just think someone created that. Now imagine building a village and then you come into that village. And the things that you created, they're rejecting you. Wouldn't you be like, whoa, I brought you into this world. I can take you out, right? I mean, that, that's a bit of what... We might think, but we're not perfect like God is. But just imagine that. When you see these kinds of displays this Christmas, think of what God did. He came into a world he created, and the world didn't recognize him. In fact, those that would have been closest to him, and I think specifically the Jewish people, they rejected him. These were people he created. And they're rejecting the creator. But those that don't reject the creator, there's some truth for those individuals. In John 12, John 1, 12 through 13, is that they're born again. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they're reborn, not not a physical thing, but a spiritual thing. And John would later go on to, to walk through this in John chapter 3. When Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he goes, how can I get into heaven? And Jesus says, you must be born again. Well, how can I be born again? I mean, I'm a human. I can't go back inside my mom. And Jesus is like, no, it's a spiritual thing. 
you must be reborn in your spirit. And a bit of an equation for that, if you believe and accept Jesus Christ into your life, you become born again. The Holy Spirit comes and absolutely does a heart transplant in your life. He takes out the old stony heart that is full of sin and it's disgusting and it's separated from God and God transplant this new heart that he gives that's responsive to his ways and his voice and we become a child of God. Do you believe in Christ? Have you accepted Christ? If you have not, you're not born again. So when Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can I get to heaven? Jesus goes, you must be reborn. You must be born again. If you've not experienced that in your life, I'm just telling you the truth of what Jesus told others. If you have not been reborn, you will not spend eternity with your creator. You'll spend eternity separated from your creator. Sin separates us from God. The Bible is very clear about that. And knowing that sin separates us from God, God does something about it. God the Father, who's always existed, sent his son Jesus, who's always existed, to come to this earth to live a perfect life, to, to make the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And he gave his life for that sacrifice. But you think about it, the creator coming into this world, that distance that separated us from God, Jesus moves in and he bridges that gap. God moves in. The word becomes flesh and he makes his dwelling among us. If this little child had not shown up, where would we be? But God is the one who bridged that gap and brings us to the Father. But we have a response. Each and every one of us has a response to the truth. Jesus has made the bridge. And he's like, this can happen. You can be made right with God the Father. But you've got to come through faith and repentance. Through what I've done for you on the cross. And so we come to the cross and we say, Jesus, forgive me. Today I believe in you and I accept you as my Savior. We, we bridge that gap. Page 10 of that devotional, Griffith says, Jesus entered our world not as a salesman trying to vie for our attention, so as I, as I make that, that plead to you of, of saying, if you've not put your faith and trust in Christ, I'm telling you, do it. You know, I mean, that's, that's me asking you to do that because I want Christ in your life. But Jesus didn't enter the world as a salesman trying to vie for our attention, but as the designer, as the owner, as the creator, claiming that which belongs to him. He came to take you in. He wants a relationship with you. And I can stand up here until I'm blue in the face saying, 
receive Jesus, receive Jesus. Every week I'm, I'm doing that, and, and, and we pray for people to receive Jesus. But understand, it's the creator that is calling you into a relationship. That's a big deal. It's not a sales pitch. It's a really big deal. And this God of eternity wants to spend eternity with you. And if you don't receive Christ in your life here and now, when you take your last breath, you will spend eternity separated from God. He came to bridge the gap. In the beginning was Jesus. He was with God and he was God. And this God has come to this earth. He's moved in. And just as he did that 2,000 years ago, folks, he's wanting to do that in people's hearts and lives today. Has he taken up residence in your life? If he hasn't, ask him to. And when you ask the creator of all things to come into your life, stuff starts happening. Something should change. Right? There should be something different about you when the creator of all things starts to work in your life. Is that a reality for you? Let it be so today. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I had two goals with this message today. The first one was that you would fill us with awe and wonder that you are an eternal God and that you came to this earth to save us sinners from our sin and also, Lord, to live with purpose, to know that that you didn't come just to save us from our sin, but, Lord, you came to, to give us life and purpose each and every day. That as we're saved from sin, now we have a mission. Now, now we have a relationship with, with a holy God. May we walk in that. And Lord, for anyone listening right now, and I ask that question, has God taken up residence in your life? And as you ponder that question, if you can't answer that with a yes, then I want to encourage you to invite him in. Receive him today. If you desire that right now, with every head bowed and eye closed, nobody looking around, if you desire to receive God right now, would you just simply lift your hand up and place it right back down? Would you just indicate that for me? Thank you. Three, four, five. Anyone else? Thank you. Father, for those that desire to receive you, I pray that you would touch their hearts right now.
a hand lifted indicates that they want you, but now they need to pray to receive you. And so I want to lead them in that prayer. Just pray with me in your heart and say, Lord Jesus, move into my life. I come to you a sinner who is in need of a Savior. So please forgive my sin. Cleanse me and give me a new heart. Redeem my life and and move me from darkness into light. Today I receive you by grace through faith. And as now I believe and accept this gift of salvation, I believe in your word as it says I'm born again and I'm a child of God. Thank you for this gift of salvation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, real quick. As a congregation, I think we need to celebrate those who just prayed that prayer today. Would you just give them a hand for making that dedication? Amen. Folks, this is just the start of Advent, and I believe God is wanting to continue to minister to us through the truth that he is the light of the world. Can I get a witness? Get out into the highways and byways of life and tell them about this light. We live in a dark, dark time, but we testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to stand as we worship. As we worship together on the screen, I had this thought this week. This isn't normal, but we're going to do it because I think it helps us to get the perspective of who it is that was in the arms of Mary. And so on the screen is going to be a picture of Mary holding Jesus, and we're going to sing this song to the light of the world.
us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time of worship together. May we leave from this place encouraged and equipped to be the light of Jesus Christ, that you would shine through us, Lord, to those around us. Lord, I ask a blessing on every home that's worshiping with us today. Father, we thank you for the tithe and offering this week. Please use it to advance your kingdom. Please use it to extinguish the darkness and shine your light in every area, Lord, where the gospel is needed. And Lord, I'm asking just a blessing on our Advent season as we continue each week, continuing to focus on the Christmas story. Lord, I pray that your grace would be at work. There'd be an anointing upon this Advent season. This would be a special, special season for us as a church and for us in your kingdom. We love you, Lord. We thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen.